Hello and welcome to an episode of Foil Forward. Nothing is on fire and everything is functioning. Today we're going to be talking about being an advocate or fan of of your players and what that actually means. Uh, with me, I have Catrice. That that statement was a blatant lie that nothing is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We also have Mark. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. I'm also not on fire, but everything around me is. So we're off to a great start. <laughs> we doing good. We doing real good. Okay. So, uh, right. There was one thing I wanted to do before we started, but I guess it's a bit late to do that. Anyway, I mean, we can we can just restart too. It's fine. Yeah. So what, what was that you wanted to do? going to do? Ah, uh, meditation. I see. Oh, I'm typing something. Okay. Uh, yeah, we can just splice this out. I'll just get... We're not going to, but we could. We could, yeah. <laughs> and that's the important part. Yeah. We... As long as everyone acknowledges that editing could have been done to make this marginally better. Uh, but now we know. The quality of the show is reflected. I, I don't know about better at being the correct term. I'm less worse. Less worse. Mm. Less yes. worse is a strong position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, less, less bad. Less, less fire involved. Anyway, um, since Kavar is... Yes, hi. Um, I, I have I done that thing. Okay. Yes, I, I figured I should just do that since there's only three of us here. Anyway, uh, the I guess what I guess I should start by talking about where this came from or something. Anyway, uh, the specific context for this is Voids in the Dark, although it's technically from Apocalypse World and it's technically from things before Apocalypse World and is an ideology who knows how old it is, but we're not going to get into that, because the idea to me on a basic level is just it's more than not being adverse. Huh? What is the thing? Oh, right. We are right. <laughs> that make got cut out. We're talking about being uh <laughs> But about being a fan or an advocate of the players, which are two different things, but we don't, we're not going to worry about that during this opening statement. Um, and specifically <laughs> in the context of Blades in the Dark and some newer game design that takes feedback from that. Uh, Catrice, do you have anything to add to help this make sense? Because. <laughs> yeah, so basically what we want to center on tonight is, you know what does it mean when they say be a fan of the players or compared to like you know other games as well like there's like adversarial games where like the the gm or whatever is built up to be like an opponent of the players and there's games where they're supposed to be you know thinking of the players as a good Thing, or at least trying to be not actively trying to screw them over kind of thing. Okay. The, so okay. My... This is, 
actually, Mark, please talk first. Uh, I was, I was just gonna say, like my my interpretation, because I'm I'm someone who hasn't played very many uh, Powered by the Apocalypse or Forges in the Dark games. Um, the idea of just being a fan of the players, just kind of supporting the action of what players want to do. Um, so, is there something specific about the way it's phrased in PBTA games that is different okay. from... So like, there, there, this is actually different than adversarial, and I'm not sure if Catrice knew that when she suggested this is a topic. Um, so, the idea behind the being a fan of the players as that's the monster heart specific one, I think, although it's from a few other points, is essentially uh, the idea that the GM should be able to buy into the characters that are provided and try to tell interesting stories about them. And essentially, instead of a framework where the fiction uh, evolves, or where the players are thrust into the fiction, the, the fiction is there to reinforce the characters and help them develop and make without making the entire universe revolve around them or at least being somewhat subtle about it but that's not necessary <laughs> i'm not sure if that the distinction there caught, uh was clear but essentially yes it's not adversarial but you, you will sometimes do terrible things to them if you think you will get they will do cool things because you did terrible things to them and the, the terrible things are cognizant, like, are built with the idea that it's going to produce, it's going to show an interesting side of the character. So the, the focus oh. is still on, like, you want to create situations that make players feel awesome. Sometimes that yes. might be making them feel like crap first, or throwing uh, some, some adversity their way, but in order to make them rise above it feel good, or, like, encourage yeah. their players to like explore something yes. yeah i think the uh the end goal is different and that's the important thing to keep in mind is that if you have an adversarial setup like yes you have the idea of the gm is supposed to win the game by defeating the players that's different just yes. the entire mindset changes in how things are set up it's also different from the there is a universe and there are people and the player characters are people who inhabit that universe and ultimately the universe telling the story of the universe around them is more important than telling the story of the players which is not adversarial but also very different from the ideology yeah, that, yeah. that's another big difference as well yeah you're totally correct on that yeah okay. I do think it's important to make those distinctions as well because this mind, like the mindset you have going into the game, actually alters the types of choices and situations that are going to crop up in it. Yeah. Like, just in general, if we start off with, you know, being a fan of the players in the sense of. We want to focus on the players themselves. They want we want to make them be the center uh, stage, as it were. Like they're the protagonist. This is what the story's about, as it were. Then that actually changes not just 
what happens, but what can potentially happen where the camera's going to be focused, as it were. Like, you're not going to have, like, this quite as long and elaborate of a, a focus, like, monologue by the uh, the big baddie or, you know, the going-ons in the world without the players being present in that. Yes. Like, even like, in the descriptions. Yes. Or, like, if there is going to be a monologue, it should be, like, reflective of one of the characters that's present or more, and ideally, like, clash with them, give them some extra reason to hate, give them something to respond to, and some extra reason why this is their enemy and not somebody else's enemy or an enemy of the world writ large. If that makes mm. sense? Like, there is the monologue should be like yes but that's uh, yeah sorry the problem with this thing is I have said most of what I want to say already <laughs> I need to ask questions that I can answer I guess or something. Okay. okay so let's focus on this then in the sense of what are the key difference is like how does this change one's mindset? How does it benefit? And why would you use different uh, styles of what you're focusing on? Like there, there's totally different reasons why you'd have, say, an adversarial game, or why it's a purely fiction first story game that doesn't actually focus on the players themselves or why you are focusing on the player characters. Okay, so there's another thing I want to talk about. The reason, the, because I just realized I didn't get into it, the word fan there is genuinely, you should uh, ideally you should have a crew that you're actually interested in knowing more about. Like uh, What I mean by that is you should be excited when they win, even as the GM. That's a big part of it. Like, if you can't get excited over the characters, then uh, you're going to have a lot more trouble flowing into things that are going to be fun, good situations that everybody, that the person who made the character is actually going to enjoy. Sorry. That's where the term, that's why it's specifically fan. Oh, I yeah. think... Also, we should probably clarify that, although it says players uh the actual uh thing in blades in the dark is pcs as in the player characters which is an important distinction too but we have mostly yeah. been talking about player characters and i think it's been fairly clear but i wanted to clear that up i think there's an important thing to note as well that you can be a fan of the player characters while not liking them as well Yes. A, a little bit weird, but if you're playing like, say, um, an evil campaign, like everybody's playing a villain, you don't have to actually like the characters okay. if they're kind of horrible, but you can still be like, we still want to see what happens to these terrible people when they do terrible things. You see, the, I somewhat disagree with that, but like, you don't have to think they are good people. But you, ideally, you should. Ha ideally, you will do better if you like the type of awful they are. If that makes sense. 
Like, yeah, I, I think. Like, I don't like the the phrase "don't like" because you can because it's not because mm-hmm. there's space for liking a character that you objectively know is a terrible person. See also yeah. ever see also every PC I've ever made, but that's beside the point. Well, I think the emphasis there should not be like personally so much as enjoy watching kind of thing because they're uh, sometimes people do correlate the two together it's like well i don't personally like this person this character like i would not want to be in a room with them therefore i don't want to see them do well or have anything to do with them and it's like that is kind of a mindset some people have, but it kind of rules out things like the concept of almost a sitcom, for example. Like, if you look at something like, say, um, what's the name of the show? Like, the um, one with all of the... Or asking you a question, because she sure isn't asking me yet. (laughs) (laughs) Even... Okay, just a second, I got this. Uh, main character is Sheldon. Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, there you go, thank you. I totally blanked on the whole thing. But yeah, like, oh, no, Big Bang Theory is nobody wants to be in a room with this person, but lots of people enjoy watching this person not being in the room with them. Right, but the char- so the character itself is a great character um, because of like story that is told around them. Not that you'd necessarily really want to be their friend, um, but it's, it's the same trope that happens in a lot of TV shows. Like if you look at like the cast of the office, like all of those characters are generally like kind of weird and, and crazy, but you're just having a good time watching how all of these personalities clash in their own special ways. I have much happier looking examples now the office, no Big Bang Theory, but you know, let's move on. The key either way is they have strong and interesting personalities to them. Like you want to take these strong and interesting personalities and put them into interesting situations to see what happens. Whereas if like that's not necessarily the goal of many games like a lot of games they don't even care if the characters have a personality like it doesn't matter what happens to the player characters because the player characters are basically just stand-ins for numbers it's like we want you to kill some monsters we don't really care who kills the monsters and that really does alter the nature of what kind of a game you get out of it Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was I, um, expecting Kavar to hop in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought so too. Oh, well, no, I, th- I think what he said was valid. Oh, do you want me to tell that? Oh, yeah. Are you more dumpster fiery than usual? Oh, yeah. 
What? Yes, I think we've talked about this a bit already, but yeah, essentially, if you're building, if the characters are just arbitrary numbers to go through a challenge concocted by a prearranged challenge, that produces a very different environment for in a number of ways. For starters, uh, you get there. The plot hook arrangement is more. Is this hook wide enough that it will catch generically everyone who is a reasonable, good-aligned PC? Okay, good. That's a good plot hook for this. Hmm. I've definitely seen that. Yeah, that's significantly. Yeah, that's significantly different than this is custom tailored to your character. This is, um, yeah, your specific backstory that oh you were orphaned when you were young and whatever and grew up in the monastery and then oh now we have a plot hook that we might actually know why you were orphaned and what happened to like your parents or whatever and then you can actually have people interested in the specific things that are happening to their characters <clears throat> Excuse me. So how how does that how does this like idea of the uh, being a fan of the players change your GMing style in order to get those outcomes? In well, I mean, ideally, like, so the thing the thing I actually want what I get into that that is version that I think is important is we need to like. You can't like. There's a difference between being a fan of your players and looking at and look, reading the character sheets to get plot hooks, and that has a fair bit of nuance. And I trying to figure out, and what I've been trying to do for the past twenty minutes is figure out how to phrase that what I'm trying to get at. I'm still failing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Like. You can just go, okay, so one of these characters has a thing on their character sheet that says that they're an orphan, and we can do a plot about, uh, about and we can make this NPC their father, and that will make them, get them invested in the story that is happening. <laughs> and that is different than looking at, than looking at, yeah. Well, I think a lot of this comes down to not, actually not just the GM side of things. I think a lot of it comes down to the way the system helps the players generate characters in the first place. Because it's not just the backstory, it's creating an actual character who's interesting to play. And interesting to see what's going on. Like, if you have a game that's not, it doesn't really value the player characters as an integral part of the game itself, then you're not going to really necessarily be getting interesting characters that you want to see what happens to them in the first place. It's not just, um, well, it's on their their backstory on the character sheet, I guess we should explore it. It's more, this character is really interesting. We want to see 
what they actually do in this situation. Like, we want to put them into a position where they're going to do interesting things. If the characters just kind of bland, it doesn't really evoke that interest of, oh, this is a character that I'm a fan of, I want to see what happens to them. And if you don't have that initial interest, I don't think you really get much out of it. Yes, uh, the, there's uh, another thing, yeah, that's actually a very good way of phrasing it, but, and also, want to think, the big thing that, let's go back to the Orphan example, but it was secret, like, parents or whatever, uh, the big thing you want to do, the big difference isn't that they reunite, that their, fa- that their father might be a secretly someone, their big difference is, okay, what would, what would, who would it be interesting for their father to be? Like, how should who should their father be to make an interesting thing about them encountering them? Is, I guess, a way to phrase it. If somebody has a less awkward one, that would probably be a help. Yeah. If you get what I'm getting at. But, well, I get the idea of like, oh, well, your your parents were actually nobles or something. I don't know. It's like I kind of like if you have an interesting character, then. You could have the parents be nobody interesting, where it's like, no, you're, it's not that your parents were nobles or some powerful archmage or something like that. It's like, no, they just got eaten by rats during like this war with rat people. And it's like, okay, that's an interesting plot hook. And now the player character is like, do they have like a burning vengeance against like the rat people or do they want to be like, okay, maybe we can overcome this by actually having you encounter a sympathetic rat person character. And now, now you actually have to overcome the fact that these are their species is what ended up causing you to be an orphan in the first place. Like that's, I think that's a distinctive difference that yep. being yes. a fan of the player would actually wind up with a very different setup for what actually happens. Exactly. Uh, so, so, that's. So okay. Well, since this is a game design podcast, I think let's not check. Yeah. <laughs> now that we somewhat defined this, unless you feel more definition is necessary, we let's talk about designing it in, or why you wouldn't want to design it in. Is any <laughs> is, is that a valid thing for us to talk about now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense. So, probably the first part would be why do you want this. And then we can explain why you wouldn't afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, so my take on why you would want it is that you're you're designing a game where you want um, these personalities to be emphasized. You want there to be sort of this like um, conflict, and you want that to be something that you uh, get to explore in telling them between like the cast. That's my take on it. Yeah. Well, I think it's 
that's a very good starting position. I think okay. the real central focus is that you are focused upon the characters themselves. It's not so much the situations they're in, it's that you, the entire team is built with the player characters as the central focus. If that's not what you really want to do with your game, obviously, you wouldn't do that. But as so long as you're like, this is a really good creative tool because each of the players, like not the player characters, but the players themselves, if they have a single character, then, <clears throat> excuse me, then they're able to focus very heavily upon that character. They're able to put more thought and effort into growing them out. Um, they've got a lot more of their creative potential locked into a single thing. So that one single thing is more developed than it would be otherwise. Like, if they're going to put all of this effort into a single character, that means that character is... It has a much higher level of potential for interesting things that it can do than if you focus solely on, like, the GM, because, like, the GM creating the world, um, enemies to fight, things like that. The issue with that is that the GM, even though they might put more time and effort into it, they might be more um, creative of an individual. Even if that were the case, their attention is still split and divided. They can only put so much effort into each of these individual things. Whereas if you have a game where you're like, okay, everybody can put a ton of effort into the one thing that they're, that's their responsibility, then we wind up with a situation where everybody winds up being able to create a much more in-depth uh, set of things to work with, just because there's more people with more attention span in total that you're taking advantage of. Hmm. What do you think of Orton? I think that there's some validity to that, and also Another advantage to building it this way is it makes it the players feel much more able and capable of contributing lore and develop. Like it, it, it makes the t it enhances the the conversational. Like if you're going for a conversational style, it right. helps in that people don't go, oh, I shouldn't talk about, I can't talk about this because I don't know the answer, like. If you want that to be the case, it helps to. God, how, how do I phrase this? It helps to if the player characters are defining things that they can say things without worrying about messing things up or being wrong in ways that they wouldn't possibly be wrong, and you having to retrace and that whole awkwardness. You right. Know, Absolutely. Destroys flow. So this is more of the approach of openness to what the game can be about or what the players get to interact with and participate in. Whereas other more prescriptive games might have 
some of these like facts that are predefined and can't necessarily support what the players are talking about or want to do at every given turn. Is that, does that yeah, make I sense? Think, I think that's almost kind of a natural requirement. Like it just naturally evolves out of the idea of like, if we want the player characters to be like the central focus of things, then you have you kind of have to be able to make it so that the players themselves can define some information as you go. Like they can talk about like, here's what the culture of my people was like. This is what it was like growing up for me in this particular town. Like if the GM has 100% control of that and the player doesn't know what they're talking about, they kind of can't really make the kind of character and situations that allows you to be a fan of them to some degree. Like, it can kind of be done, but you need to have, like, exceptionally well-informed players and mm. exceptionally good communication between everybody. Like, this is not the kind of thing that you'd get from, like, the average generic role-playing group like you'd basically be working almost with professionals in like a writing room at that point absolutely yeah and like essentially uh if everything about your character is defined by picking on lists that have distinct absolute meetings meanings it's you're not really making a unique character that we're interested in seeing you're making a template that you're that you've agreed to play through to which can be interesting but is and can go in in, in directions but it's not really the same thing if you know what i mean yeah it's oh god we're gonna have to bring up dandy Okay, so the D&D &D thing, you notice you can basically define your character as, like, race and class. It's like, I'm an elvish rogue. It's like, okay, you're an elf and a rogue. And it's like, that defines enough of your character that you basically know almost everything there is to know about them already in, like, two words. And I don't think you can really be a fan of the players in that sort of a setup because there's too much like there's too much baggage with that kind of thing where as soon as you say you're an elf in like a DD setting even if you're like oh in this setting elves are different it's like yeah but that still means that the baggage is still there you've just changed what the baggage is you're not making it so that the player character is the definition of what an elf is. It's that the elves are defining what the player character is mm. to such an extreme extent that you basically, if you have several elf characters together, are there really going to be major distinguishing differences between them? Or are they just going to be generic elves? And, like, the idea, there's a common idea in D&D, &D, as far as I can tell, of, like, playing a game's type, but 
if you are playing against a heavily defined type, then there is the one elf in the corner who is calling all the other elves dumb, but that's not actually an improvement or an interesting story all on its own, unless the one of them is a focus character and we're focusing on why that elf thinks all the other elves are dumb and need to... Anyway. Like... I mean, to a degree, you kind of need that because we are informed by our environment and those around us and such. Like, yeah. most, most characters that we tell stories about do tend to be either paragons or renegades. Like, either they uphold the values of their society or, or at least are the embodiment of, like, what their society is about. Not necessarily good. But it it means that they they stand out as they're very elf like in whatever their whatever an elf is defined as, or they tend to be significantly different than what an elf is. But you need to define to some degree what an elf is so that you know what makes you different from the other elves. But if you have it too strictly defined, like all elves are like this, then it basically means that the only thing you get out of it are, I am exactly like an elf, or I am the exact antithesis of an elf. There's no middle ground. There's no wandering off in weird directions. There's You basically just become exactly the perfect elf or exactly the imperfect elf. There's there's no other options to work with. Whereas if you're trying to be more a fan of the characters, it's more like what I think the mindset basically comes down to what makes your specific character stand out in relation to their upbringing as an elf kind of thing, or an elf that grew up in a human world or something like that. It's more focused on the individual and, once you take the individual aspect rather than a more collectivist aspect, then you get more interesting characters out of it. Yeah. And also, like, there is definitely traits about your character that is more than, like, just... Like, kind like, okay, how should I phrase this? Kindness is not a trait that is society-based. Well, it can be because RPGs can get weird. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're even, like, like I just want to say that saying everything is defined by, like, their position in society is somewhat reductivist, especially if you're creating enough of a character to be a fan of. But, the so, what... So, sorry. Re, uh, other reasons why t- you should why like this is a positive why you would might want to create an environment where being a fan of the players is expected is other than increased engagement and you know everybody's talking at the table and it makes conversational flow better is uh, a lot of I'm not sure about everyone here, and I'm not sure about RPGs in general, but a lot of the people I talk to talk about the idea that most of what they're here for is to tell an 
as thing story about or god how do I phrase this to be a unique character and like kind of play with play with unique ideas and if you're just throwing your unique idea at a sit at something that isn't going to support it or where it's basically or irrelevant who you are like yeah you'll get to play in that space but you're not really going to get as much out of it and if that's what pe the people who are playing are looking for then games that support that are better and i'm sorry that was a horrible way to phrase that no i kind of get what you're going for like there are different types of games for different situations like if you play say a pre-established setting like say a star wars game you probably want to play a character in Star Wars because you like Star Wars and you want to explore something that's within the context of it. Like, most people are going to be like, I want to be a Jedi. It's like, okay. But you're also going to get people that'll be like, I want to be a character that is not a Jedi. How do they actually find themselves being useful when basically facing up against like demigods and such? This is kind of a major interesting plot point for it's not even just a plot point. It, it's it's like a very it's not even a character story arc. It's like just the very nature of this character in this setting, like the Han Solo character. They're still valuable, they still contribute, they still do things that are important. And that is actually kind of an important thing to be able to explore but it doesn't really make you intrinsically a fan of that character in the first place it doesn't make you want to explore that specific character as a consequence of the setting it's more so you want to experience the setting as that character, which is, it's a different order of operation. I think that actually does change the nature of things quite a bit. Yes. Although I am sure, although I'm sure there are, due to the nature of the Star Wars universe, there are people who have very specific concepts that they want to embody that made that exist very specifically in Star Wars because Wikipedia exists and is terrifying. <laughs> I'm not sure if the rest of you know this. I'm sure you do. But... <laughs> Sorry. Like... So, yeah. Yeah. How how does that kind of concept apply to the idea of being a fan of the player? Well, essentially, what I was trying to get at, let's see if I can phrase it in a clearer way, is it's easier to uh, play a very uh, to okay. So, if you're playing a character who is uh, uh, a hive mind of spiders who has spontaneously come to life through mysterious circumstances, uh, and you're playing in a D&D &D game, you're just going to be a, a weird custom race and you're going to punch things in the same order as anybody else, whereas... In a game that is more concerned with put, with being a friend of your players, it's going to be able to look at the implications of, okay, so you're a horrible spider sentient high mind. What, what does that actually mean for who you are as a person? And, okay. yeah, like, yeah. 
That's obvious. Let's tell. Let's tell story. character because it's a Shadowrun character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's the thing in Shadowrun. I, that was actually yeah. a thing in the world, see. But yeah, it's a thing in Shadowrun as well. Like it would be a. Um, oh, what are they called? It, it's a. It's an insect shaman, and it usually drives them insane because it usually doesn't just. Like, it usually starts out as, like, an individual who is worshipping or has, like, a totem of, like, a group of creatures like ants or spiders or something. And by the end of it, they usually end up essentially becoming that thing. And it oh, okay. kind of does yeah, yeah, things no. to them. Yeah, I, I wasn't... <laughs> This is also a poor example because Gamorold is very good at just giving you characters that are pure nonsense, but that's something completely different and like expecting you to play them. Uh, yeah, you... I, I think Shadowrun's actually a good example in this case because you it's really hard not to get an interesting character out of Shadowrun. It also, I... but also no matter what you're gonna be a person in a gas mask who's going to be super careful about everything they do. I mean, there is, there is that. <laughs> it, um, it is kind of samey in that way, but you do get interesting characters that you can work with. Interesting, yeah, generates interesting characters that are way too cool that end up just doing things that have nothing to do with, the, with who they are as people most of the time. <laughs> I mean, there is that. That is kind of an issue. Like, which is why, which is why there are so many forged in the dark Shadowrun games. By the way, <laughs> so so are there like that? Probably a good segue to what are the games that you don't want to have this kind of philosophy? Because it sounds like having interesting characters that tell a great story, you'd want that in every game. Okay, so not necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you want the game, if you want the story to be about the world than uh, making the story ab extremely about these four individuals uh, will tell you a lot of things about the world and it will be cool, but it will be through the lens of these people and they're essentially, you know, if one of the, how do I phrase this? Sorry, I, I, I forgot what I was going to say. It was important, too. Okay, I kind of get the the sense that where you were going to go with it, I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, is that yeah. if you're starting from the perspective of the characters themselves and you're basically trying to build the world up through those characters, then it makes it very difficult to have a coherent, organized world, like, you're not gonna yeah. be able to tell a, you're not easily able to tell a story about, like, this is a story about, like, the Skaven in Warhammer Fantasy. If you're yeah. focused purely on the characters, because they're gonna deviate so far from like what the established lore and such is like there's almost too much creative control in the hands of the players in that way like you're not going to get a 
a story that's about something other than the player characters unique individual aspects like if you want to focus on the setting if you want to focus on here's a story about say like a kingmaker campaign where you're trying to to create like a dynasty or something even though the player characters are part of that that's not really the sin like they are not the central focus of the story even if one of them is intended to be the king in the end of it it's more a story of here's the the political machinations going on here's like all of these groups that you have to deal with here's like the the issues that can be faced like you can't really tell that kind of a story if it's focused solely on the player characters unless the player characters are a homogeny of scheming of scheming with uh scheming bizarres but that's a very specific game mm. well i think i think the biggest issue is that if you're going to be a fan of something there has to be something to be a fan of in the first place and if you start off building everything up with interesting characters, then that's what you can be interested in. Mm. If you start off with those as the central focus, it becomes, they kind of hog the spotlight as it were, and that can actually make it difficult to go into something else. And hey, Rob. Hi, Rob. We're Hi. Now, we're an hour in. Uh, I know. I know. Something well, actually, we're only, 45 minutes, we're only 45 minutes in, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Well, oops. Something anyway, anyway we're, 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 yes. in. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw the fucking stream on, because why the fuck not at this oh, okay. point? Okay. We're already... Um, uh, I, I would, might actually advocate against that, given that we are in the middle yeah. of a discussion, and you don't won't have the first 45 minutes yeah i'd say just leave it for that, that sounds like a great incentive to tune in to the podcast that we will put yeah. up <laughs> oh, god. So, oh god oh i don't think so, there's any point to the stream so uh, who wants to, get, who wants is, to catch rob is, off in the quickest way possible because it's not me um do, do you really want me to do yes actually yes. Uh, okay so Basically, we've been talking about like the concept of being a fan of the characters, what that means, what the uh See if you're gonna catch me up, we can just do this on stream. If you're really actually gonna do that, okay. <laughs> Let's wait for the Yeah, I, I thought we were gonna be on the stream like right now. It says oh. we're it says we're live, so Oops. So are we live? Camera, window capture. It has not captured the window yet. Give me this guy. Hey, you. Yeah, we know we're live. We're uh, experiencing, uh, you know, those things called the difficulties, technical thereof. Actually, mine were just uh, autistic. There it is. It was multiple self-induced temporal obligations leading to autistic meltdown. Just took me a little while to take care of it. I'm good now. Okay. Okay. 
So for those just joining in on the stream, <laughs> who just got here. Okay, so we've been talking about like the concept of being a fan of the players and specifically how this develops like player characters and such. Um, in particular, the portion that we're on right now is we're focusing on the concept of why would you ever want a game that does not focus on the player characters themselves? And the basic gist of it is we're getting into the concept of, well, sometimes you are trying to tell a story about something other than the player characters. Is... Like if you want... Hmm? You're, you're, you're just talking about what we're currently talking about, not so wholly summarizing everything. Okay, good. I'm, I'm trying to get us into the point where we can continue the discussion. Yeah, that's fair. Also, your camera is really high up, Rob. Yes, I see that now. <laughs> it's still in work mode. Start. Ah. And my shoulder still is, has like no range of motion on my left side, so I don't know. It's just been a challenging, it's been a challenging week. <laughs> We're getting through it though. Flailing forward, as always. All right. Yeah, it, it's all good. But yeah, so basically where we were going at the moment was to say that if you're trying to tell a story about, like, say, a specific event, or you're trying to tell a story that's basically an actual story, or if you're actually trying to have a game that's not a story, like, you're treating it actually as a game. Like, uh, say... D, D like you're going to do dungeon delving and that is the focus of it then you don't really want to focus on the interesting aspects of the player characters because they can actually get in the way and distract from what the game's actually about which mm -hmm. is a little bit weird like if you actually want to have a game where the focus is the characters and okay here's some really interesting characters. We're going to throw them together and see what happens. It's basically a sitcom. It's like, okay, that's totally a type of game that you can play. And personally, I consider it to be a really interesting type of game. That's the very focus of the game that I'm making. But there are other types of games for other reasons, and they are still valid types of games. So the point we are at is there are lots of game types and they're all valid. The 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 point we're at is why would you not why would you not want to design your game around being a fan of the players as a GM? Oh, song? I see. The, why would you not want to do that? Oh, yeah, that's where we are. Okay. So, ooh, hmm, interesting. Why would you not want to do that? Okay. So if I I suppose if you're playing a game to accrue some kind of points and you want to see how far you can get, then you would have to... Very compelling. Then, 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 it's really, then it's really up to the GM to be f really harshly fair in that case. But it's still, you still want them to be a fair, I mean, you still ostensibly want them to be a fair. I mean, if you, unless you give, unless it's a true adversarial setup and which feels more like a board game like Descent, Mm. Or, or one of those fantasy flight games where it's it's not. It, it's I mean you can role play in them. 
uh, and people do and awesome. Uh, but they're not, there's, there's not, um, an established sort of, uh, uh, baseline rule set for that kind of thing, but there is a, there is an adversarial relationship that is, you know, one person is trying to win and four people are trying to win and they're <clears throat> going at it as hard as they can and trying to take advantage of every rule and trying to exploit every combination and all this stuff. And some people really like that gameplay, but that seems to more often be exemplified in something people would call a board game. Right. I, I, I agree with you. I think that that competitive nature like lends itself probably better to board games than RPGs, but that there are some RPGs that do it. I think there's also the idea of like whether or not being a fan of the players is like a guiding principle. Because I think you're right that like you in most games you want to feel uh, compelled or like attracted, I guess, to mm -hmm. the characters and what they can bring to the story, but that it doesn't necessarily need to be the guiding focus of like what your kind of story you're trying to tell. Yeah, I can I can envision a story in which the players are playing truly awful characters uh and the story may be about like their turn to the dark side or the story could be about um just how far they're willing to go be to a win. fan of these people who are falling you're going to create a much interesting more interesting fall if you're <laughs> no I, i'm just throwing okay that's fair that's that, that's a that's a fair point i'm, I'm just saying in terms of um, do we want these people to succeed in that sense? When I conceptualize, when I conceptualize our, do, our, is the GM a fan of the players, it is do, does the GM ultimately want the players to succeed or fail? Now, because uh, I can... So what does it mean to you then? It just means that you want to put the player characters in interesting situations, like with who they are in front of your mind, and like what would be interesting to happen to these characters instead of what would be interesting to happen. Blanket statement. I see. Yeah, that's my, the definition I've been I established, but mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, except probably one. Go ahead, okay, well, I think okay, or not. Trace, please know. go first. Okay. Um, I was gonna say that I think the biggest defining thing is that as Kafara was saying, it's not just hoping that the players win. Because mm -hmm. like if you're gonna play like a horror game, the goal may not be for everybody to make it to the end. But you can still be a fan of the players themselves. Like you want them to go out wait, in interesting wait, stop, ways. Stop, 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 stop. Are we saying fan of the players or fan of the characters? Fan of the characters. We we characters really need to. More. Okay, I just wanted to. I, yeah. I don't. I wanted to make sure you weren't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, more of the player characters. Like okay. you want to see the player characters actually do interesting things, but you may not necessarily want them to win. Like you want to put them into, like you want to put them into difficult situations. Mm -hmm. And that's generally interesting. If you just want them to win all the time, you can put them in very 
boring situations where they're always going to win and it's like but that's not really necessarily being a fan of them that's more being soft on the players themselves rather than the player characters i think you're equivocating challenge with difficult choice well i mean they can both apply like you can have like a game where somebody's like their player characters are not challenged and they aren't uh they aren't put into Mm -hmm. interesting situations but you can have one or the other yeah i that's what that's what i'm saying i'm just saying i think you're making a leap between the two that doesn't i think they're two different things i think challenge like because i i I see challenge as a stressing the character's resources and difficult decisions as cha- as testing the player's um, ingenuity or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, like I'm saying that these are two different things because you can have a situation where this is the case or one where it's not, and both of them yeah. can. You can still be a fan of the player characters. Right. Okay, but but I'm not sure how that, that leads to your... Well, it, it leads to the point in the sense that if... Okay, if you're a fan of the player characters, mm-hmm. you can have situations where you are still adversarial with them. It's sure. still a possible okay. thing to do. Yes. Like, you can, okay. you can intentionally want things to be very harsh for them but the emphasis is upon like i want the player characters themselves to be like the central focus of what's going on i want them to have the spotlight i want them to be the most important thing that's going on even if i'm trying to do terrible things to them and it should be mentioned that's just an option and ideally if yeah you it's not guaranteed. if you actually are you probably want to occasionally give them happy moments instead of constant horrific bleakness, but you know. Yeah. So does yeah, but be- okay. It should be an because it's possible to be an option. It precludes the possibility of always equating being a fan of the players with always wanting them to win is all. Well. You know, a lot of the time you do want them to win ultimately, but you know, what, but you want them to win. A lot of the time, way. but I, I think, yeah, it, I think yeah, there are just up to it as there well. are. Well, I think we yeah. should distinguish between win and win and being able to continue the game. There's different, yeah. the, because sometimes, mm. the, I mean, it's not a. There are some games that assume that lose equals fail state. Yeah, there are some games where, and, and so if that's you lose, that's fine. Right. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Well, it's like so. So in those type of games where 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 lose equates to fail state, and you can, does, does you being a fan of players, players then you you cannot allow them to lose. Continue. Yeah. Right. You don't allow them to lose. I think that's is that the thing you were trying to establish, Catrice? Kind of. I think. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like, but yeah, what Rob's bringing up is like. Yeah, if if loss equals a fail state reason, uh, then yeah, you 
you don't want your player characters to lose because then the game would be over. Because if mm-hmm. if they go out on their own terms that are great and the game can continue on without a problem, that's fine. That can happen. That's why in all of the games I've seen that advocate this mindset, uh, death of a pl- character is always a player choice. Okay. I would put in one exception to that. I could actually envision the concept of game where basically the goal is for everybody to essentially go out in a blaze of glory kind of thing. Like you're seeking to end the game like there is an end state to the game and it's probably going to be a fail state, but it's done in a way where, okay, you're going to lose your player character but we're interested in this being the best possible way for you to lose your player character in the process and that would still basically be a fan of them i think but then that's but then you're equating it to consent at that point because that's the best possible way there's there's an ape yeah, there's a neat buy-in in that, easily. Yeah. <laughs> what, what you listed is not detrimental uh, to what I said, and also, with what you listed, I think that a lot of the cases, you'd be talking about, like, at the end of the game, you'd be talking about the impact that your that the death actually had on the world. <laughs> you know? No, I've totally seen exceptions to that. Like, it, yeah. it doesn't have to have the players buy-in. Like, there are definitely, like, I've in no, if you say you kill them all where... by the end of the game, you, they have innately bought in. Yeah, if that. the rules well, I mean, establish that the... the death of the player characters is what they're in, is the main thing that impacts the game, then yeah, by, by virtue of playing, they've. Oh yeah, like, I'm saying if there's a step that... right? So, I was meaning more in the case like if you had a situation where, say that's not the very basic buy-in of the game, where it's like, okay, your character is going to die in this situation. Like, say, a D&D game, uh, the DM's already decided that this character has rolled badly too many times in a row. They are going to die, but they go out of their way to try to make it so that it's the most interesting form of death that could possibly occur. And the player did not get the option to choose otherwise the player may not have bought into this idea as part of the game but because the very nature of how the dm displayed it to them how they presented it like okay yes your character story is coming to a close they didn't manage to to you know rescue like their their long lost twin or whatever that was like the okay, entire but thing. This is of it. still this is but. still this is you're you're but you're taking the actions of the GM outside the game's rules. Yeah. Well and okay, I, but then what but then what are we talking about? I think that having the con having the idea of being a fan of the players, I don't think it has to be an intrinsic part of the rules. But I do think that games run much more coherently and they flow better if it's an established principle from the start and the entire game is built upon it as a premise. But then it's in the But rules. it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. 
It doesn't have to be in the rules. <laughs> but you could. just said it would be based on the. I said it. I said it would work. I said it would work better if it were. I think it it works better if it's built into the rules and the entire game is built with this as a premise. Okay. But it doesn't have to be like you could play a game where that's not part of the rules, where the GM just kind of decides arbitrarily halfway through that this is what how they're going to but that's not two examples of design game. that's one that's one example of design one example of somebody running the design yeah so you're comparing you, you're yeah i don't okay. see how those two things are comparable yeah i, I think you're lost in the yeah i think it's better if it is designed into the game okay like what some GM decides to do is not really relevant to the discussion here. True enough. Hmm. I will totally concede that point. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Sorry, well, I get fixated no, on exceptions. No, to I, I totally understand. And hey, and listen, sometimes that's really useful. Let's, let's, let's just state that. You have caught me in places where my rules like run into a, an exception that I didn't foresee, and you're like, hey, what about this? And I'm like, uh, oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> so don't stop is what we're saying. But no, no, this, I'm yeah. saying I did get hung up on that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This is not necessarily that useful from a design perspective outside of stating that this probably should be something that when you're designing a game, it should be a very early step of designing the game that you want this to be the central premise that everything is built upon. Because if you don't base it upon that, and it just kind of winds up that way, A, it's going to be like a ton of extra time and effort, and B, it's ah, probably not going to work very well. I, th I think that's a really good point. I think that's a really good point. I think if it's if you are trying to bootstrap being a fan of the players into a game that doesn't have that as a ground level foundation, I think, yeah, you're going to have all kinds of inconsistent results, so like, like with what people get with certain systems who that shall remain nameless. Um, mm. I, I think that's We've a really good point. We've already mentioned D&D three times on this podcast. Oh, I was going to go with Shadowrun, but sure. Um, yeah, we've we also mentioned Shadowrun as well. <laughs> Twice. Oh, okay. But yes, the, the point is, I think that if you're going to have the central focus of the game be the player characters, mm -hmm. that should actually be something that you've determined very early on in the design process, and mm -hmm. everything should be focused around that. If you want to make, like... A Star Wars game, and the focus is that you're playing in the Star Wars universe, then you have a different set of foundational principles that you're working upon. And if you try to focus on that, and then you throw in at the last minute, oh yeah, and you should be a fan of the players. It's like, this is not going to work in any coherent manner. This is going yeah. to just be a mess. Yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, um, that kind of thing has sort of on and off. You know, the GMs who have, who have run the Star Wars games I've played have been, I would say, exceptions to the rule because they have been... And this is two different... No, three? Jeez, how many people in my, our group have run Star Wars? 
<laughs> like four. Okay, four plus me um, have all gone out of their way to just annihilate cannon from the get go. Uh, like, which to be fair, uh, if I was, ever, it would be like. Yeah, there's some vague canon concepts, but if you're going to pull some bullshit, like, in this book, this thing happened, so therefore what you said isn't true, I'm going to ignore you. No, I mean, like, to the point of just, we, like, episode four never happened, like, like the, the, the core story of the Star Wars universe just evaporates, like, on some level. Some, like, so, like people kept some stuff, like, but the Luke blowing up the Death Star, like, didn't so like in the last game I played, uh, when the Death Star aimed at Alderaan, it fizzled, and it, it just didn't it didn't work. And and uh, it it turns out uh, uh, it was something. Oh no, the, the uh, Tantive Four was blown up by the Star Destroyer rather than uh, boarded, and Leia was killed. And then Vader found out that Leia was his daughter. And and uh, <clears throat> shit went sideways on the Death Star, and uh, and so and so when when John like to, did this little tweak to you know a foundational part of Episode Four, uh, he just blew apart the narrative and made space for us, which was, I mean, that's exactly what I would want in a Star Wars game, and it's what I got, and it made the game really fun. But I have heard many horror stories of people being really adherent to the things they personally love about the stories of Star Wars, not the universe. And if it's not explicit in the game to make space for that, I think it's, it's, it's uh, more likely and mm, like a reasonable thing to expect a certain amount of GMs to just fall into that trap, you know, which is... A, I've I've just seen it on enough on enough boards on enough forums, people having <laughs> complaining yeah. about that kind of thing, you know. And it's not it's not limited to Star Wars, you know. People do that sort of thing in Lord of, Lord of the Rings games or Middle Earth games or um, any game with a, with a really beloved mm -hmm. established fictional through line. Uh, well, I think it, Star Wars has a special benefit in this because. Mm -hmm. This is exactly why they created the Knights of the Old Republic. And it mm -hmm. was set like over a thousand years in the past so that right. none of these characters exist. Yep. None of these events have happened. We're still in the Star Wars universe, but mm -hmm. now we've opened it up into an area where we can explore like the setting without worrying about the canon. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I think, and I think they did a really nice job with that and it translated well into a, uh tabletop games and so two editions so does there really need to be like uh, a mandate by the game to encourage like this idea of be a fan of the players and therefore like the players have more agency and directing the flow of mm. what's happening or could you have a game that's open to like one setting might be a prescriptive setting that has a lot of these defined elements and then other ones are are loose like have more flexible uh, structures. I don't think it'd be required as a mandate, but I think that it makes it a ton easier on everybody, especially the GM, if it is. If the game itself 
already has the components built so that it supports this kind of setup, I I think it'll work much easier and it'll save the GM from having to rewrite half the game to make it work. Mm. It, 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 this, saves, uh, it saves the players from having to rely on the GM's clutch decisions to make the game go well. Yeah. Like if yeah. the the very structure and nature of the game is focused around this concept, like everything's going to be easier. Like you're not gonna have to worry about the GM having to come up with rules on the spur of the moment to make it work, as Rob was saying. Right. Because mm -hmm. good. Just because if it's not built into the game, when you run into a situation where it needs to work, if the game does not support that, you're going to have to come up with support for it at exactly. that moment. Yeah, that's very true. You're yeah. generally just better off playing a different game if that's what you're trying to do. Play the right game for what kind of story you're trying to tell. Right, because otherwise you're just hacking the, the system that isn't built for it to do kind of what you want. Um, well, yeah. And not that the game is really providing experience in the box, let's say. Yeah, and that goes in the inverse as well. Like, if you're not right. a, if you don't want to play a game where I, you're a fan of the players, then don't play my game because it's very versatile, but it's built with that as a core premise. Like, it's built into the lore, it's built into the game mechanics, it's built into everything. If you don't do this, it's gonna be really messy. You could yeah. you could do it, but that's not what it's like. You're going against the very premise of the game. Yeah, right, right. You would think that blades, if like you don't need to be a fan of the scoundrels, like you just you know, just play things objectively as the world, and that will turn out fine. That is not. <laughs> you get on board with their crazy plans and shenanigans just yeah it's really it's really helpful yeah if you just react as the world as as in blaze in the dark it's not that good it just kind of it's kind of dry uh, and, uh, and like you, you have to go like okay, well logically all these people care, so let's just destroy the player characters because there's right. like six people are going to try to stop them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's just not interesting or fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is. It is kind of it is kind of one of those weird features of of games like that where. <laughs> In some sense, the the GM has to kind of turn off that part of their brain in order to make it work well. Because if they start thinking through the logical, <laughs> the logical um, procession of events, like it, it it runs on the assumption that you're trying to build a narrative, not construe a world. You know. Mm. And that, you, like, those are two different fundamental assumptions about how games are, are, are I think, are, are, are played. Like, one is about you are trying to, you are trying to uh, construe a world around these characters so that the characters have an arena in which to act, or you are trying to uh, thread a narrative through different events uh, using the mechanics 
And I don't think those two things are the same. And I think a lot of games will try and do both and not know they're trying to do both. And, uh, or some are, I mean, there's a lot of games that just do one very, very specifically. Like any sandbox OSR game is trying to do the first one very specifically. It's just, here's an arena, go. Let's see how far you get. And, you know, Blades in the Dark is very specifically not doing that. Right. Uh, they're doing the second one. So, mm. but those are two very different things. I mean, in terms of what you want the GM to track, you know, what does it care about? What matters to it? And what, you know, what mechanics are constituent of the player characters and how, how they interact with things? It's all, you don't care about their resources, really, in the narrative one that much. It's not that interesting a question uh, most of the time yeah. until it really is. But then, in, the, in yeah, but in the sandbox one, that's, that's really essential, right? Because that's, that's, that's risk. That's how much risk you're willing to take. So, yeah. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it does come down to the type of story that you're trying to tell. And if you're trying to tell a story at all, because, mm -hmm. like, there are different types of games, like, A, the sandbox one, like where you said, where we're just going to keep adding stuff for the players to wander into and see what they do mm -hmm. like that is kind of focused on the player characters like mm -hmm. it is their story because you're interested in what they're doing like the world the focus is not on the world itself mm -hmm. sometimes the focus is literally on the world and the players just happen to be part of it and mm -hmm. sometimes you actually get like the very railroady game that can work, but only if the players are aware going into it that it's going to work, that this is a story that we're trying to tell. Your characters can be observers and they might have some impact on it, but the major plot points of the story are going to take place no matter what happens. Like you can have, say, a story set in Star Wars where, yes, Luke is still going to blow up the Death Star, but. Mm. You're playing the stormtroopers that are basically, it's almost like a comedy of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's like a ragtag group of like the stormtroopers that just keep winding up in these situations behind what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like you can do that. You can have a story where that works, but if the players did not buy into that from the start and they're just basically the extras watching the main characters do everything, and their individual actions have no impact on what's going on. It's very railroady. You're not going to get a very good game out of it if that's not built into it intentionally. It's just the GM's like, I'm just going to run a story. And I'm going to tell you a story. And your characters are going to witness the story. Mm -hmm. And it's like, eh, that does not go so well. It, it goes pretty badly. Okay. So I think we're all in agreement on the point that if, if it's probably better if you want to be a fan of the players that that is a core principle of the game on, mm -hmm. on which all the rest of it is based rather than something you try and patch in at the end. Yeah. Oh, we're still... Go ahead, Kevor. What? Oh, you're still on that point. Okay.
Yeah, no, I'm just saying we're, we can just, no, we're plant, just plant a flag there and be like, yep, okay. Yep, yep. We're nailing it down. Yes, this is our design principle. <laughs> if, so, if you're going to design a game, should should totally do it mm -hmm. with intent. Yeah. That, well, yes, I hope so. Actually, uh, there's something I wanted to talk about that's kind of tangentially related. If mm -hmm. the game you're playing is designed to type of story like the micro games or the game that the flail forward is is producing mm -hmm. uh the the idea oh well very few of them have a direct gm and they tend to interact with those pieces differently but if it, it's tell a very formulaic story like a story for dealing with a lot of interesting twists due to who's involved and like how it ends up shaking out that's not the same have the same mindset as the fan of the player's mindset in my mind like there's a different mindset there there's a despite the fact it's like it is less designing a scenario for the character and more designing mm -hmm. a character for the scenario which is a different way of thinking to me but yeah mm -hmm. okay i i wanted to throw that okay. out there and see if yeah. anybody can reject it solidly I, I still think I still think I think most of those games really do kind of encourage you to be a fan of the or the GM to be a fan of the characters. I mean, in terms of so okay, so let's let's nail down what fan of the characters means exactly. Yeah, we did, we kind of did that an hour ago, but we okay, never mind that. But Katrina characters mean you want you want in, interesting situations for the characters. You want you want them to you want the game to proceed forward such that they have interesting things to do consistently that's in their wheelhouse uh, and not just a series of events. Is yeah, that what you want? The, okay. Ideally, you want the events to be reflective of who's there in a and series not, of. Instead okay. of these are people who these like any group of people could do this. You just happen to be the people who are here. Okay, can we have a can we have a term for that? Uh, I hate coming up with anti-module. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It is anti-module, I guess. Yeah. It is, yeah. It is but almost the explicit opposite of having a module. Yeah. Isn't I guess so. It's a scenario waiting for. It's not a. It's a. No, a, a characters built and then go into a scenario rather than a scenario is built and then characters are. Hang on a second. So wait a second. So it, okay. So in the first example, we're building characters independent of the scenario we know we're going into. In the second example, we know the scenario we're going into. We're tailoring characters for that particular scenario because that's the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The okay, latter so, being yeah. the module scenario, the former being the anti-module. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. just to be clear for anybody listening, uh, a module, you probably know, but just for clarity say a module i don't know they're, basically they're, they're, this hobby has been expanding in the past few years there there might be some people who've never encountered a module so, mm -hmm. to, okay so to make this clear basically a module is a preset 
campaign or scenario where basically there are set events that happen and there there's usually wiggle room but it's built so that it's open-ended so it doesn't matter which characters happen to show up for it like you can have remove all of the player characters all of them just randomly flop over dead completely new group comes in exact same thing is going to happen regardless of who happens to be there or at least something very similar is going to happen regardless right, right. of who's there. The, the term comes from the D and D uh, terminology. The the adventures were called modules originally. So you would have module zero one, module zero two, blah blah S two, S three, S four, and that's what they were called. So people called adventures modules. Now you know. Yeah, and that's totally a valid way of playing a game. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to you know, be a fan of the characters, then the characters are superfluous, which I probably mispronounced in that mm-hmm. scenario, because like you can completely remove the characters. It doesn't really affect the world or what's going on. Like if if you want to put have interesting characters doing interesting things, then that kinda has to be the focus. You, well, yeah, you need so what the what the module assumes is motivation that the anti module also assumes, uh, but the anti module hands you motivation, whereas the module forces motivation. Wait, does the anti module yeah. hand you motivation, or is it yeah? Because the because the anti module is the scenario that you are designing characters specifically to take roles in. Whereas the module is you already have characters you designed and then you're going oh, to run no, them we, through this scenario. We, I think I heard you wrong. No. The, the idea of... I think that's the, reversed. Kind of. Like, the idea is you is that you, you build the scenario around the characters instead of building the, the well, characters. But, okay, but, okay, well then there's three things then. Because I... I, Bluebeard's Bride is functionally that, where you have a scenario that is pre-programmed and your mm-hmm. characters, for lack of a better term, are slotted into the existing scenario, but you know exactly, in, you, you know so much more about that thing that you are handed a motivation, yeah. right? Rather than developing a motivation. So what, the, what happens in the module is, you ostensibly develop a character motivation in character creation, and then ho- hopefully the module slots into your has slots for your character motivation to fit in. Right. Whereas the anti-module is like, here's your motivation, build some characters with these motivations, and that that's so one is a the 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 module. If you're a fan of the characters means that you are building into you have to as the gm like put things there for them to do right for I I mean, that, that that entices those characters i think because you want to entice you like the idea is that you want to make the the adventure the arena salient to the characters right I but to be like coinciding with what a module is it's almost like mm-hmm. you're picking the module that aligns best with the player not that you're like redesigning it. Because at the point where you're redesigning the module to fit what the players want, then 
that's no longer the module is written. Okay, good point. Yep. Um, so I guess it being a fan of the players comes in at a different point in those in that game, right? Because then you're being a fan of the players is pre scenario in some right. sense because you are saying I'm going to pick the pre-written adventure that best fits my what my players have decided to play. Right. Yeah. But the idea is like <laughs> like trying but to that's not necessarily a rule. That's the thing. Yeah. No. And I think that goes back to Catrice's point of like if you're going to do this, you know, like so example for example, the way D D could do this better would be something like, here's a bunch of motivations, pick, you know, here's a list of six or something like that, of like really core motivation. This is what I'm doing in Ashes for fuck's sake, so this is my solution. <laughs> Here, here's some core motivations, and, uh, and then we can, we can sell you adventures. This is, I'm not doing the second part, but uh, we can, sell, which is, I'm just leaving money on the table, I guess, now at this point. Uh, <laughs> That's some design, but here's the adventures. These adventures, this adventures, we I, I can have forks in these adventures and salient things in these adventures for all six motivations. So it doesn't matter what the players right. pick. I know what the six core motivations are in my game, so I can design adventures based around the six core motivations, regardless right. of what they are. So that's one way D and D could do that better. Whereas if they had, um, if you were wanted to be a real fan of the players. You could, and, and they kind of do this sideways in a way where it's like classes are kind of motivation, where it's like the, the rogue is motivated to be sneaky because that's what they're good at. And the fighter's motiv motivated to punch shit with a sword because that's what he's good at. And so you give adventures have so the opportunity to draw back. That. Though. And, but, the, and that's motivated to break reality to, to swoop their whims. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and druids are motivated to turn into. I mean, druids are motivated to do a lot of shit because they're they're really versatile. But there is something that I'm seeing that's kind of almost the reverse of that. It's that mm -hmm. if you make the player characters first, then you're not really creating, say, a motivation for them, even necessarily as they're creating as like when they're created, like you're creating the motivation when you create the scenario based upon them. So like the idea of like, say, you build a scenario based on a player character's backstory, right? Okay. Then the motivation is their backstory because they already have a built-in motivation to explore their backstory that's already there. I agree. But I agree. if you yeah. don't, if you don't create a scenario that's focused upon that backstory, then there is no mm -hmm. motivation present. It only becomes present because the scenario happens to focus on their backstory. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it would, I think that would work oh. better. That was built into the rule set rather than being something that yeah. you had to A, have the players create a backstory that has motivation in it, uh, which is not necessarily part of the rule set i don't think uh and and then b have have the gm grab that go into the players actually look at the character sheets which some you know not everybody does uh and um 
take that backstory and then put plug it into the adventure in a way I get, that I get, feels I get okay. There's something I really want to say here. Mm -hmm. Kind of related. There are ways to take like the concept of a character and like things about them to give them like to tie them into the plot of them without ha it having to do with their past. This is just no, no, no. I, I think just, just using that, using that. Yeah, it's yeah. just an example. We've just been using that example a lot, and I'm clear that that is not the only way you can do it. Ah, Sorry. Okay. That's, that's uh, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just an, a very easy example that. Mm -hmm. Most players and listeners will easily be able to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but but yeah, I think I think if if a game that has that codified will have what did I say codified codified um, will have codified. Will, yeah codified codified cod 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 code piece cod pieceified codeified <laughs> that's what um, codified. Uh, a game that has that codified will have much more. Like I think you'll have a, a higher number of successful sessions. Let me put it that way: your your average mm. successful session rate will go up, which is uh, uh, we are calling that the ass rating. I have just coined that term: average successful session rate, ass rate. Okay, so question then, because we know that this is present in Blades in the Dark, but. It's been stated pretty clearly that Blades in the Dark lasts about seven sessions and then it starts uh -huh. to fall apart. Yeah. Not due so to motivation, how, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure. What, what tends to cause that to fall apart if it's not the motivation? Because if you're motivated, the motivation is the scope of what the game wants it to be. Like it's the motivations breaking free of the shackles of formula that it needs you to engage with. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's where Blades runs into its problems. Essentially, is like that... because you get to a where okay, if I'm this rich and powerful, I should try to actually fix society. And unless you can set <laughs> unless you can set fix society up as a series of heists. I mean, that's kind of what my game is, but yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it actually kind of almost seems like this is an issue with the scope of the game not being broad enough. Like, it almost seems mm -hmm. like it should have either it should transition or you should be like, okay, we'll play Blades in the Dark up until like sixth, seventh session, and then we'll change to a different game using the same characters. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be the worst idea. I mean, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a, I think that's, a, that's an accurate way of summing up what I have tended to see. When, I, when, I, when the wheels start coming off in Blades games, it's like it's because the players are doing things outside the scope of the uptime-downtime thing that is just a hair too rigid for once you get... It's really good. See, the thing about Blades and Dark is it's really good at booting up a game. It's really yeah, good. It's also, it's also, we should mention, like, we're talking down on this whole, on the whole uptime downtime structure, but it's very, like, it's a very solid, good flowing. It does a mm -hmm. lot of work and it does it very well. So, yeah. like, calling it a bad thing. But it's very narrow in what it does. 
it does the one thing that it does really, really well. That's what specialization to. is, yeah. <laughs> Which is good. That is, that is perfectly legitimate. Yeah. Yes, and also it's like not that narrow. It's just... <laughs> no. It's just, it's just, like I said, it's just a hair too narrow. It's just like, at the, so the thing is, it doesn't, it doesn't scale that well. It, 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 like it, the up, the uptime downtime thing. I, I mean, I'm sure you can make it work at like tier four and five, but it feels weird. It, like it feels like legitimately weird to do. I mean, I don't know. It's because those things feel like massive, massive actions where it's like, you're getting like 200 people to do something like every time you act almost it's it's you know like it, and it I mean, feels weird to, i mean in my in my game of boys of the dark that actually went, went to full tier and all that and all that nonsense mm -hmm. and bullshit uh the i think what helped is uh we lost is <laughs> we is we kind of lost a few characters near the end, but ever, but the the two that remained wanted to keep going, and so it, it, so it was actually decent to just keep doing things as heists, just really large scale heists that got yeah. really weird, like <laughs> heist from okay let let's let's get let's get into this vault too. Okay, let's steal a train. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that is one way to, you know, get the gold on the train is to just steal the train itself. Okay, so for a mild reference to people who don't know the setting of Boys in the Dark, trains are A, super important, B, uh, basically a way to cross the horrific uh, wasteland that, between cities, and C, I should probably mention that this was a train of military supplies that they stole, or the revolution. <laughs> See that—that's a good game of Blaze in the Dark, man. But that's just like I—I'm not sh like when my players yeah. started started summoning demons through gates in their basement, like that's and and then exploring the demon realms. I was like, I don't know how to do this as a heist exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would have no problem if it's just exploring the demon realms. I, I could see how I would flow that flow those into heist, but that's just my way of thinking, and I probably don't know the full scenario anyway. But yeah, no. What happened is like a, a lot of the focus became okay. We're having all our people that we have allies with, and like all them, do things between sessions as as dictated to us in order to tear the city down and cause a rough. But the the players just stuck to what they were good at and did things that were in their wheelhouse to mm -hmm. as like grand gestures that the. Their plans along, if that makes sense. But that's basically the only way you can do high level blades, where the scope of your crime, where you're just, you stick to crimes because that's what you're good at, but you're using your crimes on a very weird scope. Okay. That makes, but, that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, our, like, what was happening between sessions was there was like six clocks that they were influencing by what they were doing. Yeah. There were his allies tearing the city apart. In right. various ways, hmm. but yeah, the, sorry, that was not a necessarily a helpful regression. I just no, 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 no. That that was a helpful regression because that is that is kind of exemplifying 
the thing, right, of being fans of the player characters that Blades is built around. Because it is like, if the player characters sort of accept their, I mean, for lack of a better word, lot in life, uh, that they are good at, they're, they are doing crime, and then they just sort of aim the crime in the correct direction, then the game can obviously succeed. Um, it's when, it's, I guess it's when the players want to do something other than crime, or they are trying, they're, they got interested in something that is totally not within the scope of the game, as far as I can tell. <laughs> I don't know, it just started getting weird for me. Um, but it, it um, you know, that, that exemplifies being a fan of the player characters. That it'll, it allows them, like, hey, yes, it allows you to play at this tier, it allows you to 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 do things still and have influence and and have a career in this game uh and be yourselves yeah it seems to have some degree of mm-hmm. buy-in from the players as well it's not just the gm being the fan of the players it's that the players have to be essentially fans of their characters within the structure of the game as well mm-hmm. Because if the players are like, okay, I'm not happy with my player character doing this, I'm going to change them until they no longer fit within the setting. Then Uh, things kind of start falling apart. mm -hmm. There is sort of that that thing, yeah, if the player player characters sort of like want to go outside the bounds of what what um, it, it was interesting. That, I mean, for that, it was almost like it was almost like the players were kind of trying to use the game to play D anD. d Hmm. I, I'd never really thought about that before. Maybe it's just because that was what they were used to, and so that might be an issue as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to use the game for the wrong things, that that's going to cause well, issues as well. Yeah. I. Well, let me. Let me. It's not using the game for the wrong things. I'm just. Um, it's more like. They're used to using the tool in a particular way, and and it's a different tool, you know. Like it, I, it's I'm 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 you're I'm saying the same thing you're saying. I'm I'm, I'm but I just want to. It's not it's not necessarily. I don't like no, wrong exactly, but it's not. No, it's, not it's also not wrong to say wrong. They are doing it wrong in a sense because you know uh, the the. I don't know. Can you play a game wrong? What is the way to play a game wrong? Is it is it is it lack of buy into the game in the first place? It, it, the the okay. ways you play a game wrong is is when the rules of the game get in the way of what you're trying to do. Yeah. In my opinion, like if if your discard if the game's actively getting in your way, you're probably playing it wrong. That that's okay. That's the definition I would use, but that's mm-hmm. not perfect. And only specifically of PlayStation Engine slash role-playing games, not actually universally to games. But Right, yes, okay. Um, yeah, 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 that's what you're saying. Yeah. Or I would say, if you're going against the premise of what the game's founded upon, even if the game's rules are not very supportive of that, mm-hmm. Because there, there are some games where it might say it's an exploration game, but the game's rules do not actually really support exploration. Just right. due to 
you know, various issues with it. Like you're still playing the game wrong if you're trying to explore in an exploration game that does not ex support exploration. Okay, that's what yeah, that's a yeah. that's a very specific case of wrong. But yeah, I have I listen. That, I know it I, I sounds know really specific, about. but it happens way more than it should. Or oh, think <laughs> you have to like in a lot of cases, the designers don't know what their game was about, or they didn't build it properly. Right. I think you have to assume that the game is well designed. Like, if, if the game isn't designed properly, then can you really play the game wrong still? Like, I, mean, I don't know. You can still play it's within really the context fault. of... It may mm -hmm. not be your fault for believing that the game said it was about exploration, and it's not. Right. But if you do realize at some point that, oh, this is a combat-focused game, it says it's about exploration, but it's really about combat. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, then we can focus on combat, and the game works fine. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as you're doing what the game supports, then you're doing it right as odd as that is, even if it's telling you that you're doing it wrong. Hmm. That's fair. Very fair. Yeah, I don't have I don't have I don't have any follow up to that. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well, no, it's, it's just a point. <laughs> yeah, it's a point. Yeah. Yeah. It's I know. Anyway, uh, is there any? Should we move towards wrapping this up, or should, or does anybody oh, have? Um, I think so. I think that's what like was, was the original track. question? Uh, <laughs> what does it mean to be a fan of the players, the as a G style? Ah. What does that mean in terms of game design? That is what this so, question are. Can, can we sum up? Can we sum up? Being a fan of the players means uh you wrote players but you said it was from boys in the dark player, which player is characters, characters. Yeah. Player characters. We meant being player characters. so being a fan of players nope i, don't, I lost it go ahead <laughs> well since Teresa, you were the one who asked this question could you give an answer since you know if, if you can yeah, I think we basically established that a fan of the player characters means that you are interested predominantly in A, making sure that the player characters are actually interesting, B, making sure that the interesting player characters are actually able to do interesting things, and C, that you are going to be focusing on actually observing them doing these things as the central premise of what the game's about and making yeah. sure that you support this like if your player characters are not the focus of the game then you're not really being a fan of them if even if you're doing terrible things to them sometimes you can still do it in a way that you're encouraging them to act if you're focused on the environment like the world or if you're focused on a pre-written storyline or you're focused on anything other than the player characters then you're not really being the fan of the characters yeah like you can do things towards it but you won't be truly doing it uh the the big thing that uh one setting is 
it encourage uh, put engaging with the players forefront forefront in your mind. Like engaging with just, the player I characters just, in those stories. Yes. I just I just thought of a good way to to explain it. So like, if you have like a really amazing character and it's like I don't even care what they do, I just want to see this character doing stuff. Like, I don't even care if you put them in a mundane situation. It's like something like Glados from you know Portal. People like Glados a lot. So it's like, I don't even care if it was just like, it's a, we're going to have a game scenario where GLaDOS creates peanut butter jam sandwiches. Someone would still play that. Someone would still want to see that be a game. What? What? <laughs> that doesn't explain it at all. What are you talking about? It makes sense no, in my mind. It uh, makes it sense actually, to Kavar, see? <laughs> it into something else. Like, ideally, if you're a fan of a player character, you don't always need to... Like, we were talking big about, like, putting them against epic threats, but sometimes you'll just... If you are if you genuinely make a character you're a fan of and, like, you're engaging with them, uh, sometimes just knowing how they, they get move or what it looks like with these... With, these, uh, with this collection of... I really want to say idiot, so I'm just going to say it with this collection of and and uh, an extremely cool idiots. Uh, how the, how they make dinner for themselves on a typical day when things aren't falling apart? Like if that's something you're interested in, then that's still being a fan of them. If you want to see that, like, like the focus isn't on the game mechanics specifically. For example, I feel like something like, up it's happening. it's not. Yeah, no, we're we're doing it real good. <laughs> no, it's, I think of it in the sense that like the focus of the game, like, is not say the game mechanics, like, oh, this is a game about combat. It's like, no, it's not about combat. It's about the characters. We don't care what the characters are doing so much, like, as long as we're focusing on the characters themselves. I think is the key defining point. Yes, as long as the characters are being developed or reinforced by that. Anyway, moving on. We've summed up for long enough. <laughs> this are are we sure? Because Rob still seems confused, so this doesn't seem like it's... No, I got it. Rob, are you okay? Okay. Yeah, I'm great. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> hi, this was Kevor. I was running this. We also had Catrice. <laughs> Mark. Woo! And a bit of... <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Well, Good night. Stop streaming. Oh, dear. Mark, this is oh, the regularly scheduled dumpster fire. Oh, this yeah. Was double, double the fire in the dumpster. Two dumpsters. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, or not, we're not picky. Leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and uh, and Pornhub. Because why not? Got to go where your audience is, right? Good night, everyone. <laughs>